You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, good morning. Uh, if you weren't in the 8.30 service, you won't know that this is an entirely different message from 8.30. But um, we're flipping the script, okay? And um, so I'll tell you that because um, this is all you're going to see on the screen. So if you usually we have this, this uh, verses and stuff up on the screen, they're not going to be on there. Um, there's Bibles around you. Grab one. Um, if you have your phone, grab that. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 15, which is the parable of the lost son. And um, so anyway, so we're in the middle of a series entitled Firm Foundations. And the part of the series is, is this, is that we want you to understand and get a grasp of correct doctrine. And because if we understand who God is and who God says we are and, and who we are to each other and, and all those truths, that allows us to build a, a foundation. It allows us to build a house so that when the storms of life come, our faith and our life can withstand them. Because if you're like me, uh, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have struggles and you don't have storms of life. Anybody ever have any struggles or storms okay good the first service they were like really excited to put their hands up really fast and and all that they're in it and um so anyway so we want to get that and so obviously there's the last few weeks i've been giving you a lot of information and kind of giving you some stuff and then kind of opening up some some other things and um man there's there's a lot of good stuff about salvation that we'll we'll need to get to and you have your notes and we'll um if you want more of the technical stuff, just email me and I'll get it to you at some point and to talk about what does it mean to be redeemed? What does it mean to be born again? What does it need to be, be purchased by the blood? I mean, there's a lot of great images and stuff and we could again spend literally a month on that. Um, but today I just want us to dig into the heart of the father of what salvation is. And so, um, hence the reason we kind of changed a little bit. Again, you don't know that cause you weren't in the first service, but, um, we're going to dig into Luke chapter 15. And, and it says in your Bibles, a lot of your Bibles, it'll kind of give a little heading. It'll say, Parable of the Lost Son. And um, I, would, I would challenge that. And I would tell you that it's actually the parable of the lost sons. Um, that there are two sons and both of them are lost. Um, and we'll dig into a little bit about what that means too. And so um, anyway, so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to, to Luke chapter 15. We're going to start in verse 11. And it's a parable. But parable is a story that Jesus tells, and this story has a point. And right before the parable of the lost son, he tells us a couple of other parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin. So obviously Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he's talking to them about, hey, there's a singular importance to things that are lost. The owner of those things seeks after them and wants them to not be lost and to have them brought home, right? So if you've lost your coin, you go get it. If you've lost your sheep, you leave all the other sheep and go get the one to be able to do that. And so here that kind of idea is, is going. And here Jesus talks about the parable of the lost, I'm going to say lost sons, all right? So chapter 15 of Luke, verse 11, says this. So to illustrate the point further of people being or things being lost, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son came to the father and told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Let's stop for a moment. This is big. 
in Jewish context, uh, this guy coming to his father, telling, asking for his inheritance before he dies, is saying, I literally want to write your death certificate. I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Like, I'm tired of living in your house. I'm tired of living by your rules. I'm tired of your authority. I want the benefits of being your child without living under your household. Literally to the point of, I want you dead. All right? And so this is strong conversation. I mean, it takes, takes a lot of uh, courage or ignorance, I think, in some ways, to come ask the Father to even do this. But to, to get to that point to say, listen, I want what I want, when I want it, how I want it, and I want it now. Darn to you, I want it. And so that's kind of the mindset. So you can imagine that conversation happening. Verse 12, so the younger son told the father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. And this is the interesting part. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So the father, right, he's carrying on a business. Whatever his business is, he's got some agricultural stuff. And so son comes to him and says, hey, I want half the money now. Well, that means that's going to be detrimental to the father. It's going to be detrimental to the other son that we'll learn about here in a moment. But it'll be detrimental to the family business. So he's not only hurting the father, but he's hurting the brother. He's hurting the entire family. And the legacy of that family, he's hurting them by making this request. This is a serious request that he's making. And everyone in Jesus' audience understands he's saying to his father, I want you dead now. And the father says, okay, I'll give you your half. Verse 13, a few days later, which is interesting to me because if it was my son came to me, I'd be like, not only are you not getting your half, but here's the door. Um, like right then, right? But here's God the Father's patience. A few days later, his son is gathering up all his things and he's packed up all his belongings and moves to a distant land. So in other words, he doesn't just move out of his father's house, you know, down the street to an apartment. He moves as far away from his father as he can possibly get. And there, what's he do? He wastes all his money in wild living. So he runs through his inheritance quickly. He got what he wanted, when he wanted, how he wanted, and he wasted it. Verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. So he persuaded a local farmer in his starvation, he persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him in his fields to feed the pigs now not only is he hungry not only is he starving not only is he in a distant land but now he goes to a guy in his hunger and asks for a job and the guy's like <laughs> i got a job just for you jew boy you're gonna go feed pigs you can't even eat pigs. You're not supposed to touch pigs. I'm going to go have you take care of the pigs. I'm going to see how desperate you really are. And so he sends him out into the field to, to care for the pigs. And the young man has become so hungry that even as he's feeding the pigs, the, the stuff, the slop and the pods that he's feeding the pigs, he's so desperate. The food he's feeding them, the animals that he's not even supposed to be touching, that food looks good. That's the seriousness of his desperation is, listen, I'm not even supposed to be hanging out with pigs. Here I am feeding them and the food that I'm feeding these animals that makes them unclean. I'm craving that. That's the desperation of the moment. 
That's how far he's run from the father's house. But no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, when he came to the end of himself, can you imagine he's in the fields, he's taking slop to the pigs, and he's like, this looks pretty good. I can smell this, and it stinks, but it looks, that's how hungry I am, and I'm going to pass it out. And he finally came to his senses and said to himself, self, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. I'll go home to my dad and say, Dad, I've sinned against both you and heaven. And I'm no longer worthy of being called your son. But please take me on as a hired servant. In his desperation, he comes back. One of the things I think this story illustrates is, is if you're someone who's run away from God and you've run to distant lands, you've run to places that you know you're not supposed to be, and you get into a mess where even the stuff that you know that is, has stench and is nasty looks good to you because you need something. You've run to the end of yourself and your resources that you're like, that something's, surely something is going to fill me up. Something is going to bring satisfaction. Something is going to bring worth. Something is going to bring value. I need something in my life. And so you continue to dig into that. One of the things that I think our enemy whispers in our ear is when we come to our senses, I think the enemy whispers in our ear, you're not worthy. You're not worthy to go back to the father's house. You're not even supposed to be feeding pigs and you're eating pigs and you're feeding pigs. What if your father finds out where you've been? And what if your father finds out what you've done? What if your father, and so the enemy whispers, you're not worthy That's the other part of salvation. That's one of the parts of salvation is that we have a tendency to, to maybe you've grown up around church even and you went off to college, you went off to whatever, and you're just kind of like, you know what, I'm going to trust stuff in my own wisdom and my own knowledge. And you horsed around in the pig slop. But because of your religious training, you hear the enemy or maybe even church people say, not good enough. You got to get this area of your life cleaned up. You got to get this together. You got to do this. And all the while, God the Father is on the front porch waiting expectantly for us. That's one part of salvation. That's one of the lost sons has has run away from the good Father and has gone and, and literally to the end of themselves, and then finally comes to their senses and wants. To come home. It's better to be a hired servant. I may not be the, a son, but at least I'm a hired servant in the house and reap the, the benefits. I can get the scraps off the table. So, verse 20. So he returns home to the father. And while he's still a long way off, his father saw him coming. So, you see, you have to understand that the father, from the day that the son left, the father's on the front porch waiting and hoping. And expectantly hoping that the son will come back. And so the son has gone to a distant land and finally he comes to his senses. And the scripture calls this old thing called repentance. And he comes to his senses and so he repents and he begins to come back to the father. 
And the father is waiting expectantly on the front porch. And so the very moment that he sees that his son's shadow is coming back, because I, I can imagine that he's on the front porch and he's either drinking tea or coffee. And he's waiting. He sees off in a distance because there's only one road home to the father's house. And so the father's eyes are always off on the horizon waiting for his son to come home. And so that very moment that he's drinking his coffee or he's taking a sip of tea and he sees a shadow of his son, he thinks, can that be him? That he gets up and he runs, the scripture says. He runs to him. As you imagine, as he's running to him, the son is like, I don't have my shoes anymore. I used to have my, had my good, my good Nikes, and now my Nikes are in the, the pig's thigh. I've been running with the, the pigs, and so now I stink. I had the best clothes on, and now they're torn and tattered and smell. And so again, the enemy begins to whisper, you're not worthy. And the entire time, the father's running. And he gets to his son, and he puts all Scripture tells us he wraps his arms around him. Smelly and stinky and full of pig stuff. That's theological term there. And he wraps his arms around him. And can you imagine the bear hug? For a son that's run away and now he's home and the father's been waiting expectantly. And he grabs him and he wraps his arms around him and he whispers in his ear, I've been waiting for you, my child, to come home. That's one way... The scripture shows us that salvation happens. Is that we're redeemed, we're bought back. The Father waits expectantly, and when we come back, he, he purchases us and He wraps His arms around us and says, I love you. You've been loved. You've always been loved. I've waited for you to come home to me. No matter the stench. And what's the Father's response? It's a long way off. He sees Him coming, and He's filled with love and compassion. He's not filled with anger. He's not filled with anything else, but he's filled with love and compassion. And that love and compassion makes him run to his son, embrace him, and kiss him. Which is a sign of fellowship, of deep fellowship. And his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against both heaven and you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. He's he's telling him what the enemy's been telling him. But, verse 22, but... His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. We're going to put it over that stench. Get a ring for his fingers because I want people to know that he's my son. I want to seal this family relationship. And so it's going to have the family seal. I want people to know that he is my son and we have established a new covenant together. When he walks back into town, they're going to see the robe, they're going to see the ring, and know that I've received him as my own. Get a ring for his fingers and sandals on his feet, because my child doesn't go without shoes. It showed that he was, one, a person of wealth and of worthiness in that time to have shoes. Kill the fatted calf that we have been fattening. So again, the father, not only is he on the front porch, waiting expectantly for the son, but he's also been letting the work happen so that when his son does come home, they're ready to party. The calf is fattened. Didn't have to wait months. The time was ready. He knew he was ready and waiting for his son to come home. We got the fatted calf. We must celebrate with the feast for a son of mine once was dead, has now returned to life. He was lost 
but now he's found. And so the party began. This is maybe your story. Maybe you've run as far as you can possibly run. And everywhere you've been, there's been moments where you're like, there's got to be something more. And you've drawn back to God and you hear the, the enemy saying, you're not worthy, you're not clean enough, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to stop doing this so that you'll be worthy of the Father's acceptance. All the while the Father's on the front porch saying, just turn and come home and I will meet you. So maybe some of you, that's your story. I'm more like the older brother. I grew up in and around church. As a matter of fact, I was a, literally a church rat. My mom was an administrator in the church, and so anytime I wasn't in school, my daycare was running around the church. We had a gym. We had all this different stuff. So I got really good at ping pong and pool and shooting baskets. And we had skates, but I was never really good at that. I don't know. But I was also really good in the midst of all that. I've learned all the rules and regulations of faith and what it meant to be at church and to play church, but to not actually know the Father. And that's the other lost son. As the other lost son is in the presence of the Father all the time, but he's so busy doing things for the Father, he never asks from the Father and never enjoys the Father's presence. And so maybe that's some of you is similar to mine, is we're so good at the things we should do and the things we can't, shouldn't do so that we would appear good to the Father, but never really enjoy his presence. That we have a view of, of the Father, that he's there waiting to catch us, do something wrong, and so he's going to whack us over the head like the Chuck E. Cheese moles when they pop up. Ready, like, ready, boom, got him, he caught Chris doing something wrong again. When all along the Father's like, just, just come in the back door. You've got a key. Come in and enjoy my presence. Let's have coffee and tea together inside the house. Let's sit on the front porch together as we wait for the other brother to come home. But I'm so busy doing things for God, they never enjoy him. Verse 25 says, Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working, and he was, when he returned home, home, he heard the music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants, What's going on? And the servant said, your brother is back and your father has killed the fatted calf and we're celebrating because of his safe return. And the older brother was rejoiced and glad. No. He was human. The older brother was angry. And he sat out by the pool and pouted. And his father came out and begged him. But the older brother replied, all these years, I've checked all the boxes and I've slayed for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when one of your sons comes back after squandering all of your money on prostitutes, you celebrate? By killing the fatted calf. Father, if anyone deserves your attention, if anyone deserves the party, if anyone deserves all that you're giving that son, it's me. I've checked the boxes. I'm at church at 830. I do this. I do that. I don't do this. I've done everything. I've got the right masks for the right places.
And God the Father says, but you've had a key the whole time to the back door. And you've never enjoyed my presence. But that was me. Angry at times of seeing someone come and whatever their mess is and come back and just be like, just receive what God all has for them, the love, the compassion, the the depth of the relationship that they were experiencing. And I'm like, listen, God, I'm checking all the boxes. He says, I don't want a religion. I want a relationship. And so since you've been around church a long time, it's real easy to check boxes. And they're all good things. But if those things distract you from the person, then they're stealing your joy. They're stealing the presence of the Father. And one of the things about the older son is that he had an opportunity to ask from the father for a young goat, but he never did. He was so busy trying to please the father that he never enjoyed the father. And our father is pleased with us because of what Jesus has done for us. So just being in his presence is pleasing. That the aroma of the son and the works that he was doing out in the field every single day, that aroma was pleasing to the father because he knew that the stench of the fields was the stench of good deeds. But he wanted to be in his presence. Even the the son's stench from the pigsty was, was not pleasing to him, but it was pleasing that he was able to bring it before him and he could smell it in his nostrils and say that this stench will become the aroma of heaven after this party. Because you're going to receive my robe and you're going to receive and you're going to want to be in my presence. So for us this morning, I don't know where you're at, but God the Father wants us to be at home with him. There's wonderful images throughout Scripture of what salvation looks like. One is a, a temple and that at that moment in the temple, whenever sins were conferred on some on an animal, a person would take an unblemished animal and put their hands on the head of an animal and they would pray their sins onto that animal and that animal is killed and for the sacrifice for them. That's one image. Another image is of someone going into the marketplace and as they're in the marketplace, the reason they're in the marketplace is because their debts are too much. They can't pay the interest on their debts anymore. So the only way that they can get out of their debts is to sell themselves into slavery in the marketplace. So you can imagine that image of, of that your, your debts are so much you can never repay them. So you're standing in the marketplace at Roundtop and saying, I need to sell myself so I can get out of debt. And someone walks by and says, how much is your debts? And you're like, I've got 50000 in credit card debt and interest is killing me. And they say, I'll pay for it. And your response is, well, how, what's it going to cost me? And they say, that costs you nothing. You're free. I'm paying your debts, and you now walk free. Go live life as one who's not in debt any longer. And also this image of home. That the Father calls us home. And He wants us to dine with Him and to sup with Him and enjoy the presence of Him. But so many times we have a tendency to take half our inheritance and run and, and to think that our ways are better, our intelligence is better, the things that we can do and say make our life better. And God the Father says when we come to our senses, He's on the front porch waiting for us to run home. But then some of us have stayed close and we've done the religious thing and are still lost because we're doing good things. 
but we're not enjoying the presence of the Father. And so my prayer for us is wherever you come, is that we're together experiencing the presence of the Father. That's salvation is to know that you're in the house of the Father and that you sit down and sup with Him and to enjoy His presence and to know that you know that you know that you're His. And He's wrapped His arms around you and said, I love you, my child. I love you, my child. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, we are undeserving to come home. We do smell like pigs. We do smell like stench. But you run to us with eager anticipation and expectation and wrap your arms around us and whisper in our ears, I love you, my child. I'm so glad you're home. And Father, for others, we've just been doing the church thing. We've been doing the religious thing. We're kind of in and out and kind of we're good people. We're moral people, but we don't know you. So, Father God, I pray that wherever we're at, whatever place that we're at around the house, that, Father, that we come in the door, whether it's the front door or the back door, wherever you draw us in, Father, that we're there and we enjoy your presence, that we sit down at your dining table and to enjoy a meal with you tonight, to be in your presence. Father God, we love you. We praise you and exalt you as King of kings and Lord of lords. And thank you for your salvation through Christ. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church Podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.